Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right into God's Word today. God, we thank you for today. And I just pray, Lord, that, uh, God, your word says that, that your word will not return empty or void, that you're going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. And so, God, I pray that in, the, in every heart, God, this morning, that your word would transform their hearts, transform their lives. God, that you would begin to do something so significant in the hearts of your people today. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to jump right in this morning, and uh, I just want to share a message with, with you that's really been stirring on my heart for the last couple of months regarding the Big C Church. And so when I say the Big C Church, uh, I'm not talking about just South Coast, I'm not just talking about a Hope City Church, but I'm talking about uh, God's Big C Church, His global church. And, and I shared this a few weeks ago at Hope City Church in, in Arizona. You know, when I look at the vast majority of the issues that are taking place in our nation right now, and I think, really, we can name so many of them, right? There's so many things that are taking place in our nation, but they all stem from the same place. And really what we're seeing take place, it's a heart issue, um, it's a sin issue. Uh, What we're seeing is really, it's from a group of people that have turned their back on God. And I believe this, that there is an appropriate response as a church to not only reach our cities and not only to reach our region, our sphere of influence, but, but really what goes beyond these four walls. We're called to reach everyone that is not in here yet in this building. And so I believe this, that for far too long, the Big C Church, we've actually been operating backwards and so we want people to come through those doors so they can hear the greatest message on the planet. Like we do everything that we can to get them through those doors so we can share with them the hope that we have. But, but what I've come to find out is it just doesn't work like that most of the time. And so the church, we were never meant to work from the inside out, but the church was always meant to work from the outside in. And so when you look at the life, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll see this one common theme over and over and over again. Jesus, he always met people at their place of greatest need. And so in other words, Jesus went looking for people to serve them. He didn't wait for people to come to him so he could begin to serve them. And so what I want to do is I want to start today with the passage of Scripture that is going to be familiar to many of you in here this morning, but you can follow along on the screen or your Bibles, but I want to start in John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And it reads this, it was just before the Passover feast, and so Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. I want to stop here for a moment. I want to give you some context of what is taking place here in this portion of Scripture. Because this is Thursday. So this is the day before Jesus would go to the cross. And we know that day as Good Friday. But this is the night before. And so Jesus, he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew the pain that he was going to endure that next day. He knew the torture. He knew how bad things were going to be for him that next day. And even in the middle of knowing all the hell that he was about ready to be endured through the next day, he never once stopped to consider his own needs in that moment. In fact, we read this, that the Bible says this, that that loving his own, he showed them the full extent of that love. He he didn't say, oh, I love you. He he didn't say, hey, 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 I I have this feeling of love towards you. The Bible says this, that he showed them the love that he had for them. And so Jesus knew that this was an opportunity not to just have love, 
And we're great at that, right? As a church, like, man, I love you. Like, we're, we're great at saying, man, we, we got to love one another. And that's great if you say it, and it's great if you feel it. But you can't just say it, and you can't just feel it. The Bible says Jesus showed them the love that he had for them. That's exactly what Jesus did. And many of you, you know this story, but I want to I I give you a picture of what's about to take place. And so I'm just going to go through verse 2 through 13, and then we'll pick it up at the end of this. But, but they are, they're at the Passover meal. And, and so this was a full-on meal. And so the tables back in that day were only about three inches off the ground. And so the way that they would eat is they'd actually lay down on their side as they ate their meal. In fact, you'll see this phrase in the Bible that they reclined at the table. That's the picture that you get. They're, they're laying on their side. I don't get it, but that's the way that they would eat. How many of you guys are glad for like high chairs and tables today? Like I don't like to eat on my side unless it's popcorn watching a movie. But, but this is the way that they ate back then. And so the only problem with this is that your feet would be in the face of the person laying next to you. And so because of your nasty feet being in the face of the person next to you, you had to have what they called back then a foot washer. And so at this time, they didn't have shoes, okay? They had sandals, and they walked everywhere. And so they would walk on these dirt roads. And, and how many know what on dirt roads? Like, I don't have to go into detail what's on those dirt roads. But because of that, their feet would get dirty, and they could not eat until their feet had been washed by a foot washer. And so they're at this Passover meal. And there would have been this tension in the room because someone had forgotten to arrange for the foot washer to be there. And so the disciples, they knew this. And so there's this tension in this room because it has to get resolved. But no one would wash the feet because the foot washer, that's reserved for like the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of servants. And so they didn't want to do that. But, but this is this, the scene here, okay? And so, so they didn't resolve the issue of the foot washer. In fact, what the disciples started doing is they started playing politics. They started arguing back and forth of who was going to be at Jesus' right hand, who, who's going to be the greatest, because they thought that the kingdom that Jesus had come to usher in was an earthly kingdom. And so they're arguing about who is going to be the greatest, who's going to be Jesus' favorite. They didn't know that I was, and so they were arguing about it then and there. But think of this scene, okay? This is the day before Jesus would go to the cross. You have Peter, who's denying him. You have Judas, who was trying to sell him. Selfishness at its highest form. And what happens next is Jesus begins to do the unthinkable. Jesus does the thing that no one would have been caught dead doing. He walks over. He takes off his outer garments. He rolls up his sleeve. He puts a towel around his waist. He grabs the wash basin, grabs a pitcher of water, and then he begins to walk over. And I could just hear the gasps in the room as Jesus begins to walk over and wash his disciples' feet. The person, knowing what was going to take place the very next day, the last person who should have ever been doing it, begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And Peter, you, you got to love Peter because Peter's like, Jesus, you ain't going to wash my feet. And Jesus is like, Peter, if not only am I going to wash your feet, but if you don't allow me to wash your whole body, you're not going to have any part in my kingdom. There, there's not going to be any relationship. Peter, this is what I'm all about. This is why I came down from heaven to earth. And then he says this. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus says this, now, now that I did it, 
So if it's not beneath me to do this, Jesus was saying, if I can serve like this, you better believe that you were called to serve just like I did. And what Jesus was saying in this moment, what I have done for you, you should be doing for every single person who comes into your life. And it's at this point that he calls every single person that wears that label, Christ follower. He said, if you were going to follow after me, guess what? You do what I do. And what does Jesus do? Jesus serves people. That's what he does. The Bible says this, that he didn't come into this world to be served, but he came to serve. And he served it always, but the greatest way that he ever served humanity is the Bible said that he gave his life as a ransom for many. And what Jesus was saying to his disciples, and I believe what he's speaking to us today as a church, is this is what I am all about. I'm about people. I came to serve people. But it gets even better. And what I love about Jesus is that he never asks us to begin to do something that doesn't benefit us as well. Because he could have easily said, you know what, suck it up, buttercup. I know you don't like it, but you need to do it. He could have said, stop being so selfish. Stop being so self-seeking and just do it. But what he does is he puts something inside of the heart of every single believer. And we get this supernatural feeling that takes place when you do serve someone. And so if you've ever done something for someone else, you know that even though you gave of yourself in that moment, somehow you feel this sense of satisfaction. You, you get this feeling, and it's almost as if this sense of fulfillment begins to take place. And that's why he says this in verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus says, now that you know how important it is that you begin to do this, if you do this, you will be blessed. But you've got to understand something. The word blessed there, it's not the word like we would understand it today. And the word blessed in the Greek, it's makarios. And so that word, it actually means happy. And the reason the translators didn't use the word happy, because it's not like a happy that you get when you see a cute little dog and, and you get all that warm and fuzzy on the inside. That's not what it's talking about. It's, it's this happy, it's this deep sense of fulfillment on the inside, that moment when you take that deep breath and you just have this overwhelming sense of fulfillment on the inside. And I'm telling you, these are the words of Jesus. And he said, if you go and do what I do, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be makarios. In fact, the weight of his words here, you got to catch this because what he's saying is that you, you never will truly live your life until you do do this. You will never truly live with this sense of fulfillment until you make a difference in the life of somebody else. And so Jesus teaches us and he models for us what I think is one of the most important principles of what a Christian life should look like. He teaches us that Christians, we serve. We show them our love through service, not words, but service. And so here's the deal. I said this the first service. I'm going to say it as well. I'm not going to try to manipulate you today. I'm not going to try to hide my agenda. I'm not going to try to say something without actually saying it and telling you today. I'm teaching you this part of the life of Jesus today because I want the Big C Church. I want South Coast. I want Hope City Church. I want the Big C Church to serve like Jesus served. Because we have a problem in the American church today, and it's called consumerism Christianity. 
And I'm sure most of you are, ter- are familiar with that term, I'm going to go church shopping, right? And so what you are doing when you church shop is you're, you're doing something that you're looking for something to fulfill the needs inside of you. But the church was never meant for that. The church was to equip you to go out and do what God's called you to do. And so what we do in American church is like we, we love to come in and, and to be so self-seeking. So, man, the worship was, was, was awesome, by the way, today. How many of you guys enjoyed that? It was phenomenal. Like, I, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to worship, but if that worship don't make me feel good, they don't sing my song, I'm out of here. Like, if, if Pastor Tom doesn't have a good word today, man, I'm going to go find another church. So, so we come in and we get filled up and we go back out. And, we come, and what happens is we become a dead sea. Because we're always partaking of something, but we're never meant to do that. It's meant to come out. It's meant to flow out of us. And so I'm telling you, because of that, I believe so many believers are missing out on the blessing. They're missing out on the makarios. And I'm not just talking about here on a Sunday. I'm talking about us as a church modeling Jesus and showing our community what love looks like. I want Pastor Tom to come back and have the confidence to know that he can go to his city officials, that he can go to his mayor, whoever it is that runs this place, and say, what do you need South Coast to do for you? And him know and have the confidence that he has an army of believers that, man, they are ready to lock arms and create a ripple effect of God's love in your community for for us to come together and say, let me show you what a Christian really looks like. And if there was ever a time in our nation that we need this, it is now. And so then together, man, we got black, and we got white, we got Hispanic, we got Asian, we got male, we got female. We even have Democrats and Republicans. We're joining arms together, and we're showing the love of God. It's what Jesus did. It's what we are called to do. And so I thought the best thing that I could do for you today is to show you what that looks like. So, so what is a servant? When, when you look in God's word, you know this, that the word servant is used hundreds of times. But here's what you have to understand is that when we read the word servant, it can get confusing because we read it as just one word, but in the Greek, it's actually seven different words. And so you'll see this oftentimes in the Greek. It'll be one word. It'll have many different meanings. So take love, for instance. There are many definitions of love or types of love. There's eros, which is, that's like the romantic love. And then you've got agape love. It's unconditional. But if you don't know it, you just read it as love. And so for the sake of time, I'm not going to give you all seven of those words this morning. I'm going to give you three, because that's what preachers do. We're going to give you three points, a good sermon, and we're going to send you out of here. But here, here it is. So, so you're reading your Bible, and you just read the word servant, but, but it could be one of several. And so I want to show you this one. And the first one is the word doulos in the Greek. And so the English word really should be bond servant, Not just servant, but it's a bond servant. And I want to show you a verse, and I want, to, and I want you to see this word servant in, in the scripture. So Mark chapter 9, verse 35 says this, sitting down, Jesus called twelve, the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant or the doulos of all. And so what is a bond servant? Now, now in those days, and in some translations, you will see this word, the, the word used slave. And so now most of the newer translations, we don't use that word slave because we don't like the word slave. It has a lot of negative connotation. And I think that we typically, we just don't have this great biblical understanding of that word slave. But a slave in the Bible was really more like an employee. And in those days, a a slave or an employee had to serve their master because they had to repay a debt that was owed to them. And so that means this, if somebody owed uh, uh, someone money, you could give your life to pay that debt. But there was this law, and you have to catch this today. 
Because there was a law that, that if someone was a servant or a slave, you could not keep them for more than seven years. And But what happened is something began to take place in the heart of that slave or servant or employee, however you want to say it, in these seven years. Because after the seven years, oftentimes they fell in love with their masters because they were treated so well. And so then what would take place is a servant would then volunteer after his time was served, and he would say, man, I don't want to leave you. Like, you have been so good to me. I, I want to stay here, and I want to serve you. And it was at that point that they would become a bondservant or a doulos. They would become a slave by choice. And so then they would say these words to their master, you have treated me so well, and now I give my life to you. And this is what I love about this word doulos or bondservant. It gives us a principle here. And you've got to understand the principle of being a servant, it is a lifetime commitment. That when we begin to serve people, it's not just something that we do once a week, but it's a, it's a lifetime commitment. So I give my life to serving. I make this lifetime commitment to serving others. And what I'm asking every one of us to do is to make that commitment today. So, hey, South Coast, let's spend the rest of our mind giving as much money and as much time to meeting people's needs until Jesus comes back. Let's stop saying it and let's show it. Let's make a lifetime commitment to serve others. Here's the next word that I want you to see. You just read the word servant, but it could be the word diakonos. And so when we see that word diakonos, this means deacon. And so... When we think of the word deacon, we don't really think of the word servant. And in fact, depending on what type of church you grew up in, you might have a lot of negative thoughts as it comes to deacon, right? So there's, there, like, depending on how you grew up, deacon can mean many things. But this word diakonos or deacon, it has a very unique meaning, and they serve in a very unique way. And I want to show this to you. Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 26. So whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant or your diakonos. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave or doulos. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if I could give you really the best English word to help you picture this word diakonos or deacon, it would be to get you to picture a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant. That, that's really the best picture of this word because when you go someplace and you go to a restaurant and you see a waiter or you see a waitress and what are they doing? Man, they're running around between five or six tables and, and they're going from this table to the next and hey, man, you need some more water? I got it. I, I'm going to fill up that water. You, you, need some, you need some utensils. You need some, some dessert. You need some more food. Whatever you need, I'm here to serve you. And so what's happening in that moment is they're going from one person to the next and they're not thinking about themselves in that moment. What they're thinking about is what is it that I can do? How can I serve you? So here's the principle of a servant is this, is you got to understand a servant is focused on the needs of others. And so what, what does that mean for us today? What, what does that mean for you? It means you need to find a need and you fill it. You begin to look for empty glasses and you begin to fill them up. What does that mean for you? You find a hurt and you begin to heal it. A true servant, they're not focused on their own needs. They're not focused on their own schedule, but they're focused on the needs of others. And I'm willing to bet that there are empty glasses all over this place on a Sunday morning. And they're waiting for someone to fill them. I'm willing to bet that when we look out across this city that they are waiting for followers of Jesus to begin to rise up and start doing what Jesus did. And what impact could you have on this region if you could go to your city leaders and say, what can I do for you? What impact could we have if we focused on the needs of others? Here's the next one. You read the word servant, but 
It could be one of seven. And the one that I want to show you today is, it's, it's a hard one to say, but it's huperetes. And the literal translation for this word is under rower. This is probably my favorite one, and I'm going to show you what that means in a second. But write that down, and I want to show you a verse. So in this portion of scripture, Paul was writing here, and uh, he's quoting Jesus, and he's telling this story of how Jesus completely changed his life to this king. And he said, King, let, let me tell you what Jesus said to me. Acts chapter 26, verse 16 says this, now get up and stand on your feet. Now I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. And so Jesus said, Paul, I've appointed you as a huperetes, a, a servant, a, a under rower and as a witness. And let me try to bring this word to light to you today. So you guys live close to the ocean. I'm kind of jealous because it's beautiful. But, but you've seen many boats, but... But the picture that I need you to see is, I don't know if you've ever seen an older movie where, where they have these older boats, like before engines, before sailboats. The boats that I'm talking about is, is they had these galleys. And so, and so what, what was in the galley of the ship? And the, the galley was the belly of the ship. And so you had everything on top. You had the deck. You had the crew. You had everything going on up top. But the galley or the lower deck, it, it was underneath everything. And so underneath everything were these people who they began to take these oars and they began to propel the boat forward. So let me see it, say it this way. So, so the people that nobody saw and the people that nobody knew that they were even down there were actually producing all the manpower that it needed to make that boat go forward. No one saw their faces. No one knew who they were, but they were the under rowers. They were making everything take place. Their under rowers were completely anonymous. And so what does that mean for us the principle of a servant is, is this, is you got to understand that, that our job, the principle is to magnify Jesus, not me. Yeah. So that means that we can't do what, 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 we, what we do do, we can't make it about, Hope, or about South Coast Church. You can't make what you do about Pastor Tom. You can't make everything that you do as you serve people about us. It has to be about Jesus. Like, we, we've got to make Jesus famous in our city. We've we got to magnify Jesus. It's, it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. And the Bible says this, that, man, let your light shine before men so that they can see. So you, be a hooperatus so they will glorify your Father in heaven. It is all about Jesus. So write this down if you're taking notes. And if you aren't taking notes, pretend for me so I feel better about myself. But this is what our definition of a servant is. It's ser a servant is someone that makes a lifetime commitment to serve people's needs in such a way that it magnifies Jesus, not me. It's a lifetime commitment to serve people's needs in such a way that it magnifies Jesus, not me. That's what a servant does. That is what should be at the heart of what we do as a church and as followers of Jesus. And what I'm teaching you today, I'm teaching this because this is what the Bible says a servant looks like. This is who a servant is. It is what we are called to do. Here's the deal. Jesus calls every one of us to live this kind of life. He, he is our pattern. We follow after him. And if this is what Jesus did, this is what we do. And so if you are going to have the heart of a servant... And from what I've seen around here, like there are so many people, you get this, and Pastor Tom is so blessed. So maybe this isn't for this church, maybe this is for every other church. Okay, but, but if you're going to have the heart of a servant, there's going to be four decisions that you are going to have to make. And I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to close. But here's the first decision. If you're going to have a heart of a servant, you need to know this, that a servant puts service over status. And here's why, because status says this, 
don't you know who I am? Like, you want me to mop? Like, I'm never going to pick up that mop. You, you, you want me to be a greeter that is so beneath me? You want me to work in kids' ministry? No, I'm better than those things. Man, I should be teaching. I should be preaching. Don't you know how awesome I am? Let me show you. And if that's you, you have it backwards. And I know the heart of your pastor because I served alongside of him. And, 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 and he, 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 he mastered this so perfectly. He had the heart of a servant. He would be the first one to pick up a mop. I'll never forget, we, we moved into the, the Seven Hills location and we had all these new floors. Do you want to know who spent two nights after everybody went home putting on layer after layer after layer? Pastor Tom and me. He, he never expected somebody else to do something that he saw. He'd be the first one to grab a vacuum. He'd be the first, if he saw a piece of paper or trash on the ground, inside, outside, it didn't matter. He saw it and he was going to do it. He had the heart of a servant. And, and what happens is sometimes we begin to think that we are so beyond something else. And so, man, I, I'll oversee that project, but don't you think that I'm going to get down there and do that with those people? Jesus, the Son of God, was in a room full of people who were all about status. And he said, let me show you what I'm all about. And he began to serve them by doing the very thing that they thought was beneath every single one of them. In fact, I, I think one of the biggest issues in the church today is the very thing Jesus spoke about. He said, man, if you think that you are the greatest, what you actually do is you begin to lower yourself and you become the slave of all. Someone who has a heart of a servant is one that your pastor, he can send a text to and say, man, I, I need you to lead. I need you to lead a life group this, this summer. And they say, I got you, pastor. <laughs> My house is too small and, and I'm scared to death. But if this is the glass that you need me to fill, I'm going to fill it. Plug for life groups. They will change your life. If you are not in a life group, I'm telling you, you are missing out on one of the greatest things that we could do as believers to come together, to take off the mask, to get real, and to get, to get deep down inside of us and get rid of all of those issues that we have. Life groups is a place to be. Plug over. But you got to understand something. A servant is one, and, and only you can make this decision. A servant will put service over status every single time. Why is that so important? Because we are really good about us. We're really good about making everything about us. There's almost like it's, there's this pool to say that it's all about me. But this is the biblical standard here. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. It's about the others. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about everybody who's not in here yet. And you may not believe me, but I'm telling you, one of the best decisions that you will ever make in your life is to live today and every, and every day in such a way that you're considering everybody else above you. What would the race issue look like in our country if we lived this way? I'll tell you what it would look like. It'd probably be non-existent. And it has to start somewhere. And I think that it should start with followers of Jesus, living the example that he left for us. It starts by putting the interests of others before your own. Here's the de second decision that you are going to need to make if you're going to have the heart of a servant. Because a servant, they put character over comfort. Most of us, we don't like this. I don't like this. 
But God is way more concerned about your character than he ever will be your comfort. God is determined to grow in you areas that oftentimes we don't even want to grow in. In fact, I said this last service, but there are some things that God wants me to grow in, and I'd rather go to heaven dumber than a box of rocks, never learn that lesson, just get me there. I don't want to go through any pain or discomfort. And if you were one of those people that you try to justify your sin with this lie that says, God just wants me to be happy, you are so wrong. God doesn't want you happy. He wants you holy. That's what he's called us to be. And as a parent, at times I could care less if my kids are happy or not. Like how many parents are in here this morning? Like you're not so concerned about your kids being happy, right? You're more concerned about helping them grow and about you're concerned about their character. So guess what? I'm going to have them, I'm going to make them do things that they don't want to do knowing that it's going to cause them to grow. There's going to be things, in fact, I think so many of the issues that we are seeing in today with, with kids is that you have parents that, that you think it's your job to be your kid's best friend, but that's not your job. You aren't called to be their best friend. You were called to be their parent. And as a parent, we do things that at times develop as character at the expense of their comfort. So guess what? You don't want to go to school? Suck it up like you're going to school. Like you don't want to go pick up dog poop in the backyard? I don't care. I'm going to get that character in you. We're going to do whatever we have to do to get that character in them. God is no different. He does the same thing to you and I. We're his, his children. And so serving isn't always fun on the surface. But it does something internally that I can't begin to explain. But on the surface, we fight it and it's never convenient for us. Look at this story with me, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30. And I'm going to read this out of the message paraphrase here. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way that he was attacked by robbers, and so they took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, I love that because it wasn't very lucky for him. But luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. So he saw it, and he went walking right by then a Levite, a religious man, showed up. That's your pastors. He also avoided the injured man. And then a Samaritan, you got to understand something. The Samaritan and Jews, they, they did not like each other at all. And so a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey. He led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. Jesus said, Go and do the same. Go and do the same. And, and Dr. King, he spoke on this passage of scripture and and I love, I love his insight. He said the priest and the Levite, what they did is they asked the wrong question. And they asked, if I'm going to stop and help this man, what's going to happen to me? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong attitude to have. If you have to ask a question, here's a question that you need to ask. If I do not stop to help this man, what's going to happen to him? How in the world can we sit here and talk about this love that God has for humanity and do nothing to show it. We have a mental health crisis in our nation right now like we've never seen before. We have seen addiction like skyrocket, especially these last years through COVID. And we've got to stop talking about God's love and we've got to show them. We, we have to be the church that God's called us to be. 
And so here's the thing, I think for many of us, it's easier for us to just keep going through life and never see what it is that's around us. But once you see it, you can't ignore it. You, you can no longer be like the priest and you can no longer be like the Levite and just walk by because once you see it, it changes you on the inside. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you give. It changes the way that you allocate your time. Church, we have to get this right. Here's the third decision. If we're going to have the heart of a servant, we got to make this decision that a servant puts we over me. So we can't live with this mindset, well, you know, if I'm going to do anything, it's going to be me. I'm going to do it by myself. And here's why we can't be like that, because everything is better when it's we and not me. Everything's better on a team. Like, like I've been on some teams, and, and they're so much fun. In fact, when, when you look at the power of the New Testament church, this is what they were all about. It was never about what can I do. It was always about what can we do. Let me, let me show you. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 says this. All the believers, they were, they were together, and they had everything in common. And so they sold property, and they sold possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so look at what this said. It said they, they, they were together, it said. And so they got their money, and they put it together. They, they got their time, and they put it together. They got their giftings, and they put it together. It was never about me. It was always about we. And there's something to be said about more. Because the more people that we can get together, the bigger impact that we can make. We is always bigger, and we is always better than me. And, and you hear me on this, we don't. And I hope Pastor Tom is okay with me saying this. If not, it was really nice getting to see you guys and preach to you. And I won't be back again. But hear me on this, South Coast doesn't have to be your we. But you have to be a part of a we. Because we were designed by God to be in community. You were designed by God to be in a place where you can give together and you can serve together and you can read God's word together and you can worship together. And I love for South Coast to be that place for you. In fact, I think it's pretty awesome. I drove seven and a half hours to be with you today. It's awesome. And I think it's a great place to be. But if not, you have got to find a place and become a part of it and stay. Here's the last decision that you're going to need to make. If you were going to have the heart of a servant, and I'm going to give you the verse, and they're going to get the point, but you've got to understand this. One day, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And if you were to ask me, we are a lot closer now than we've ever been to that time before. He's coming, and he's coming soon. And look at this verse with me here. This is Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read a large portion of scripture for you this morning, and then we're going to close. It says this, when the Son of Man comes, and he's coming, Jesus is coming in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will set on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, he didn't just say, hey, sucks to be hungry, but you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, he didn't say, oh, I love you, but you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now watch this. 
the righteous will answer him, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So when you came to church on a Sunday and you served in kids so other people could come in and hear the greatest news on the planet and end up giving their life to Jesus, when you give tens of thousands of dollars every year to missions and missionaries across this world, when you feed people every single week through Feed One, you did it for him. He said you did it for me. Whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you are not doing it for them. You're actually doing it for me. And you want to know what that is, church? That's what real worship is. See, he loves that you come to a building. He loves when we begin to sing songs together to him. It's great. But if you really want to love me, he says you love the people that I love. How do you love the people that I love? It's not just by saying it. It's not just by feeling it. You show them the love that you have through having the heart of a servant. It's great that you're in church today. I'm blessed and I'm so honored that you're here. But let me tell you this. God loves when you take your stuff, your money, your time, your giftings, your Sunday, your Saturday, your Tuesday, your sweat, and you love people, not through words, but by showing them. He loves your voices as you lifted and you sang songs to him today. But worship is so much more than a song. Worship is when we begin to love what he loves. And everything he ever did was always about people. It's people. So write this down, and then we close. If you're going to have the heart of a servant, then you, may, then you have to make this decision. A servant puts worship over wealth. I'm going to put my worship over wealth. And here's why I want to end today. I want us to make this declaration. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And we're going to do something that's adapted from Rick Warren. If you like him, you don't like him, I don't care. Just do this to make me feel good today. But if you believe anything that I preach today, what I want you to do is I want you to say, can we put that up there? I want you to say this out loud with me. And here's the deal. I want you to say it out loud, okay? Like I want Pastor Tom to hear this through the interwaves, okay? So we're going to say it loud, not soft, but together on three. One, two, three. Because God has called me to serve my generation, I will value worship over wealth. We over me, character over comfort, service over status, and God's purpose over possessions, positions, popularity, and pleasure. To my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, I'm ready anytime, anywhere. I want to be used by you in such a way that on that final day, I'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and let the eternal party begin. Come on, can we put our hands together? 
Let's pray. God, I thank you today for this great church. God, I thank you for a group of people, God, that, Lord, they have a heart of a servant. And, God, that you're going to use this message to stir something inside of them, God, that's not only going to change the church they're in, but it's going to change the region that they're in. I just want to do this with every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be in here today, and you are one of the ones that's hurting. Maybe you came in here today, and you're carrying around guilt, and you're carrying around shame, and and you know this, that, that you need Jesus today. And so what I want is right where you're at, we're gonna, I want you to pray this prayer. In fact, we're going to pray it together. And so I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to even ask you to lift your hand today. All I'm going to ask you to do is to pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you. And I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you and away from you. And today I turn my heart back to you. Forgive me. Come live inside of me and change me and use me to make a difference in this world. I want to live my life for you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.